0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. One year ago, it's hard to believe, hasn't it? It's been
1: one year. Actually, in that sermon, I said this. I said, look, this may go on longer than you think. This could last anywhere from two to four weeks. (laughs) So what I would like for you to do is start calling me Chip... The prophet. Okay, that's that's what I'd like, or maybe chip the weatherman because I predicted zero to seven inches, and uh, so somewhere in there it came down because it did last two to four weeks. So that is kind of being a prophet. No one could have thought 52 weeks ago that we would still be in this global pandemic that we're a part of right now. We're all learning to deal with it. Uh, we're all frustrated with it. We all get. Tired with it. It's been an entire year. Yesterday, uh, uh, my son who's in town, his wife, uh, Tiffany, we, uh, uh, we ran to the store for a second, and as I was going in, I forgot my mask, and Tiffany looked at me and said, is this your first time in a store during a global pandemic? And, uh, you know, I said, no, you know, I just, just forgot my mask. You know, all those little things that, that we have happen. After 52 weeks, something happens. You just get tired. You just get burned out. You just want things to go back to normal, whatever normal is or whatever normal is going to look at. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be over Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36, Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36. And we're going to be talking about how to keep your passion from burning out. After a year, it's easy to burn out. It's easy to get tired. It's easy to just say, hey, I'm through with all of this. But how do we keep our passion instead of burning out? Anybody here remember Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders? Yeah, most of you do. Barry Sanders, a, a great running back out of Oklahoma State University. Sorry, Josh. Uh, uh, you know, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there, yeah, I got his mask on right now. That, that's pretty good. Uh, well, Barry Sanders if not the greatest, one of the the top running backs that ever lived. When the Heisman at Oklahoma State went on, dominated in pro football, played 10 years till he was 30 years old, set all kinds of records, and then just quit. At the height of his fame, he just walked away from football. He wasn't injured. There wasn't problems with him and his teammates. Uh, There was no uh, uh, outside things that were pulling him. He just walked away. All of his teammates tried to get him to stay. They called over and over again, he said. uh, Everybody in football, from the the NFL heads on down to his coaches, everybody begging him to stay, all to the fans, and he just walked totally away from football. And he gave an interview, and he was asked, hey, you're not injured, you're in good shape, Uh, you've set every record there is to set, Uh, why are you walking away? And this is what he said. My desire to do other things has become greater than my desire to play football. That was it. I burned out, through with it. I've done this for for my whole life, and I'm through with it. You know, I I don't care anymore. I burned out. My desire for other things is greater than my desire for football. We're going to be over in Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36, and we're going to be looking at burning out and what that means and how to keep from burning out when you're in the midst of a global pandemic like we are right now. I want to read uh, our our passage of Scripture uh, as we get started, to get it in your your mind as we get going. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So they've just completed that Last Supper, uh, and Jesus and his disciples, uh, they're at the Mount of Olives, uh, and they go to a private Place in the Mount of Olives, kind of a way. It's called Gethsemane. Gethsemane has a very important term. a very important term, a very important name, and it means olive press. So they just go to the olive press that was there. It sounds so much more romantic when you say Gethsemane than olive press. But they go to where the olive press is, kind of away uh, from things, and Jesus and his disciples uh, have a very special time there. Let's look at it. Verse thirty six. Then Jesus went his with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to him, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you even stay one hour and watch with me, he said. And he asked Peter, watch and pray that you fall not into temptation. The The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away one more time and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer that Gethsemane moment that Jesus had where he wrestled with God, he wrestled with all of the problems and the pains and the troubles that he was uh, about to go through, and he came to the strength and, 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 uh, and, and uh, grace that God gave him at that moment. As we look into our scripture, the first thing that I see is this. This past year has been kind of a Gethsemane moment for all of us, No one could have predicted what has happened. No one in this room has ever lived through a global pandemic that's lasted for an entire year. No one could have predicted a year ago that you'd be sitting uh, in, in these hard uh, uh, chairs that we have here uh, from the fellowship hall and that you'd be wearing a mask and that you'd be six foot apart and that you'd have yellow, little yellow cards next to you that said, nobody's sitting next to this person, they're unclean. You know, nobody would have, would have ever thought anything like that you know, could, could have happened. And we've just all grown tired of it. But more than that we look at the numbers and it can be staggering and there's been so many losses in the last year (coughs) think about it Uh, as you look across the country 30 million cases of COVID-19 have been identified 540,000 deaths in Kentucky 1.8 million cases and 31,000 deaths have occurred and across the entire world 120 million cases and 2.65 million people Have died from coronavirus. But more than that, uh, in our own country and other countries around the world, the entire global economy has basically shut down. Businesses have been shuttered. Uh, Businesses have been forced to close. People have lost their jobs. The economy has been wrecked. Uh, normal activities have totally stopped. Uh, You know, uh, my son and daughter live in California. They're just now sort of opening up a little bit, uh, a few things, but they've been locked down almost totally uh, out there in the state of California. Uh, And then you add to all of this, the tension that we had uh, over race issues, uh, probably the most polarized presidential election I've ever seen in my lifetime where, where this country was just ripped apart and divided and still seems to be and you put all of that together and we're just tired of it we're just tired of it and we want to quit we just want something to go back to the way it was but the truth of the matter is it may never go back to the way that it was we're probably for sure going to have some sort of new normal not an old normal that we have it affects us personally Uh, You know, we're tired of Zoom meetings, tired of not seeing our family, tired of not being able to go to a restaurant. We have health fears and anxiety. People that we love have been sick and lost their lives. We've been sick ourselves. And it happens at church. At church, we have the same thing going on. You know, we wonder, you know, are we going to get enough, enough money in to run our church programs? Uh, you know, how are we going to get started again and get people on campus in a safe way? How are we going to get children and, and, uh, and small groups and Sunday school classes back together? And we struggle with all of these things. I was talking to a director of missions in our state this week and he told me that one of the the sad side effects of the past year is that he has dealt with more churches who are in conflict than any time in his entire life. He said, look, I've done this for four decades and I've never seen anything like we're going through right now. Every church I deal with is a church where people are fighting in the church. And why is that? Because people just in general are tired and fed up and angry and on edge and it comes out wherever you're at so it comes out at church. You know, I wanna have control somewhere in my life so I'm gonna have some control there if nowhere else. And so it seems that in every area of our life things are just falling apart and we get tired of it all. And we just want it to end. We just want it to go away. If there's ever a point in our life we were just burned out it's a moment just like this. We're having a Gethsemane moment. I want to look real briefly here uh, through our scripture passage in Matthew uh, 26, and I want to look at how Jesus was feeling and how he was uh, at that Gethsemane moment, and there was a fear that maybe everything was overwhelming and could burn out. Look at verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So Jesus is at a point in his life where he knows he needs to go to God, he's hurting, he's upset, and and then he just goes on. Verse 37, he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him. He began to be sorrowful and very troubled. So the two emotions we're told Jesus was having in the garden of Gethsemane was sorrow and and extreme trouble, that anxiety that was coming up from that. So let's just take a little poll here. Over the last year, has anybody here been sorrowful about anything that's gone on? Okay. Has anybody been troubled about anything that's gone on? So you're having that same Gethsemane moment, Uh, the sorrow and the trouble that seems to be come upon him. And then look at verse 38. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So what he says in verse 38 is I'm overwhelmed. The the, the hurt, the anxiety, the grief, the sorrow that I am feeling is overwhelming, Jesus says. Overwhelming to the point that it feels like it's killing me. It's overwhelming to the point of death. So that's how bad Jesus is feeling right now. He's overwhelmed till it feels like it's killing him. So it just seems one thing after another. He's overwhelmed. He's sorrowful. And then the people he was supposed to depend upon his friends, he takes his friends with him to pray with him and watch with him and support him. And he goes and prays three times. When he comes back, what are his friends doing every time? They're sound asleep. They fall asleep every single time. And so the people he's depending on to pick him up and help him just aren't there. The relationships aren't quite panning out here uh, as Jesus had it. And so Jesus is having one of those moments where everything seems to be going on, where for a lot of us would say enough's enough. I'm through with it. I I don't want to do this anymore. And we're at that stage of burning out. I read an interesting story in the paper this week. There was a sheep in Australia by the name of Barak, and Barak escaped from the Australian sheep farm five years ago. Now, sheep are genetically engineered today where they can't shed their own coats. And so, uh, you know, they have to be, you know, shorn uh, by people. This sheep has been gone for five years when Barak wandered back into the sheep farm this past week, and this is what he looked like when he wandered back in. Can anybody identify with that? Is that how you feel after the last year? Yeah, you feel like, look, I'm overwhelmed. It's just, it's just all over me. Well, I've got some good news. They were over to Shear Barrack, and this is what he looks like now. Uh, so an entirely, entirely different thing. And that's what God can do. He can take your feelings of being overwhelmed, as Jesus was feeling, and he can bring something entirely new out of it. We've had a lot of loss, a lot of sorrow over the past year, and I think it's good for us to name that sorrow and to understand that sorrow because we really can't get the help we need from God, and we really can't move on to the places God wants us to be till we admit and identify and claim that sorrow. And that's exactly what Josh is going to do at this moment. Josh. Josh.
2: It has been quite a year that I think we all could identify like that sheep. We carry baggage with us. We carry the relationship baggage. We carry the loss of human life. We carry the many things that we have faced in this year. But God invites us through the process of grief, through naming, through remembering. Through those acts, we experience God's love, His kindness, His compassion. So today, as we're going to read on the chat, as people are like, that feels like a decade ago, not a year ago. Somebody else to say they couldn't stop the tears flowing as they remember what it was like a year ago, what it was like to not see toilet paper, to not know what it was going to be and how things were going to happen. Today we have uh, some candles, not that these are magical, but that they are here as a symbol to remind us. So we light a candle today to remember the loss of life. Chip mentioned the stats there that are just staggering in our own country, in our own world. The People who are no longer here, you may not know someone, but what's remarkable is I talk to people, it seems like if you've lost one family member to COVID, you've lost several to COVID as it spread throughout. Remember the people who are no longer here, and not just the way they aren't here, but the way they passed. Many times not surrounded by family members. Many times in a nursing home where they were isolated, we carry that compound grief. It's not just the act of living and dying, it's the way that death happened, and we remember that today. We also remember the loss of relationships, both in our church family, For some of you who are worshiping online, it's, you haven't been back, that loss of relationships to your church family. Maybe you haven't seen your parents, or you've not seen your grandkids, or you've not experienced them in a way that feels very cruel, feels very tough, it's very hard. We mourn the loss of relationships through this past year. We also mourn the loss of, I'll say, his lifestyle, that God has given us good things to enjoy, like the gift of traveling, the gift of eating out, the gift of friendships. We mourn those people who had trips planned this year, the past year, and never got to travel. We had family reunions and never got to experience them. We mourn those who have lost jobs, resources are drained and spent. We mourn those favorite restaurants and spots that are no longer here, that have changed. We mourn the many dreams that people had for this past year that either feel like they will never come back Or they feel so far away. We also mourn today, what I will say is mental health, mental and emotional health. It's been a year of fear. It's been a year of anxiety. It's been a year of questions. And it's exposed some of the own cracks inside our own self. So we've had to be together in isolation and face that which is on the inside of us there's so much competing information and we've tried to get that and figure out what is going on and it's caused our mind to run and 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 run, and run, and run seemingly with no end today we mourn human life we mourn relationships we mourn the lifestyle today we mourn our own mental health Did you join me in prayer? God on this day one year on we recognize God like that sheep we are carrying a lot of extra baggage and we are in our Gethsemane moment would you meet us here in Jesus name Amen
1: So what do you do if you're in that kind of a situation everything we've gone through over the last year how do you respond how do you gain God's help how do, you, how do you get the passion back that is so easily sucked up through everything that we've gone through over the last year? Well, Jesus does five things in the Garden of Gethsemane that I want to look at real briefly here as we run through this. Five things that helped him through his Gethsemane time and five things that I think will help us through our Gethsemane time. And the first thing that Jesus does is that he shares his struggles with his friends. He doesn't try to go through this alone. Even Jesus, the son of God, closer to God than anyone has ever been, one with God, Jesus still wanted his friends around. In verse 36, we're told, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called the oil press. So Jesus takes the big group, the disciples around with him. He wanted them there with what he was going through. And I would think that as we think about the big group today, we need our church family. We need our church family to, to, uh, to pray with us and to care for us uh, and to encourage us and to push us forward, but we need to be doing the same back to other people, uh, that we need to be encouraging and pushing them and making them better as they go through times, because there's going to be one week that you're going to be down, and the next week you'll feel better and someone else will be down, and you try to put them forward. But then in verse 37, we're told he took Peter and the two sons sons of Zebedee and he began to be very sorrowful and troubled. So the second thing Jesus did is he also then had an inner circle of his very best friends that he shared how he felt. In verse 38, he tells his best friends exactly how he's feeling. I'm overwhelmed. I I, I feel like it's killing me. And he's got Peter, James, and John, the two sons of Zebedee that are with him. So we need to have some good friends that we can get with, people that, that we know, people that we are close to that we can really share our heart with, some things that you may never share in a large group that you can share just with your, with people that you really trust and, and throw out to them. It's interesting, in verse 38, what Jesus asked the, the three best friends to do, he just says, stay here and keep watch with me. And sometimes that's the best thing you could ever do as a friend is just presence. It's just being there. It's just letting someone know that you care. Uh, That's the most powerful thing uh, that you can ever do, just having that presence there and letting people know that you care. So Jesus shared his struggle with his friends. Having friends and relationships are so important in a time like this to keep us from burning out that in Canada, the Canadian Post Office, Canada Post, uh, they are doing something interesting right now. They are sending a postcard to every single person in Canada, and you are supposed to send that postcard to someone you have not talked to during the pandemic, and they will mail it for free if it's their postcard that they sent to you. So it's just a way of trying to connect people because relationships are so important. So Jesus shared his struggle with his friends. We need to be sharing our struggle with our friends. A second thing Jesus did is that he believed God loved him and he believed God wanted to help him. Now that's really important because if you're not sure whether or not God really cares about you, if you're not really sure that God is there and wants the best for you, you're probably not going to be real eager to go with him when things fall apart. But if you think, look, God loves me with a passion, God wants the best for my life, and things aren't going well right now, then you're going to eagerly run to him when things fall apart that's why in verse 36 we're told Jesus went with his disciples to Gethsemane said here he said well I go over there and pray the very first thing Jesus does in his Gethsemane moment is he says I need to go to God and pray now if Jesus the son of God the first thing he needed to do when things fell apart was pray to God then we need to be doing that and getting right on it that needs to be something we did and then we got verse 39 Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father. So Jesus saw God as a loving parent, as a loving, caring father who cared about him, wanted the best for him, and was going to be there with him. So we need to believe God loves us, wants the best for us, and we need to approach him that way. A third thing that Jesus did is he was honest with God about how he felt. He was honest with God about how he felt. Now, this is a biggie, because so many times we're not honest with ourselves about how we feel, and we're not honest with God about how we feel, even though God already knows how we feel. Now, here's the thing. There's no problem with how how you feel. I don't care how you feel. Uh, You may be angry. You may be disappointed. You may doubt God. Guess what? That's your feeling. Feelings are emotions. Feelings are going to come and go and there's nothing wrong with how you feel, it's what you do with how you feel that matters. So if what you do with how you feel is you make that the priority, and all you can see is your pain, and all you can see is the problem, then then that's gonna become uh, blown quickly out of proportion, and it's going to overwhelm you and cause burnout. But if in your problems and troubles what you look at is God instead of your problem, it changes the perspective of everything. But Jesus was honest with God with how he felt. Uh, He told his disciples that he was overwhelmed with sorrow. But then when he prayed with God in verse 39, look at what he says. My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. So what Jesus prays to God is, look, I would rather not do this. I know that what lies ahead for me is that in the next few minutes, one of my best friends is going to betray me. A few minutes later, one of my best friends uh, is going to deny he even knows me three times. I'm going to be given an unjust trial. I'm going to be beaten within an inch of my life. And then I'm going to be crucified on a cross where I'm going to suffer and die. And while I'm suffering and dying, the sins and the weight of the world is going to come upon me. And the God I've been one with since creation is going to turn his back on me. And I would really rather not do that. My father, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. So Jesus was honest with God about how he felt. And so I would encourage you as you, as you face burnout and you're through with it all and you, and you don't know if you can go on, just be honest with God. Be honest with him and say, look, I'm tired of the fear. I'm tired of all that's going on. I'm tired of being locked down. I'm tired of wearing a stupid mask, you know, whatever. Just be honest with God about how you feel. He's a big boy. can take it and you can't get through what you're going through unless you're honest with God about how you feel so God can deal with what's going on a fourth thing that Jesus did was he sought God's will and not his own he sought God's will and not his own now this is this is again another biggie now look back to verse uh uh 39 again Jesus prays my father if it's possible may this cup be taken from me yet not my will but your will So Jesus does two things in that. First of all, he says, I would rather not do it, but look at how he phrases it. If it is possible, take the cup away from me. If if there's any other way to pay for the sins of the world, I'd rather you figure it out right now. Uh, But if it's not possible, I want your will, not my will. Then Jesus goes on and he prays a little bit further down in verse 42. And he says, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, then your will be done. So what he's saying is, look, okay, if this is the only way, the only thing to be done, I want your will to be done. Now, why did Jesus want God's will instead of what was going to be, he thought, the, the easiest thing for him? Because the easiest thing isn't always the best thing. Maybe God could have told Jesus, okay, don't go to the cross, whatever. But then there have been no way to pay for the sins of the world. It was the only thing that could have happened was for Jesus to go through the cross. And so what Jesus knew is this, well, God loves me, God cares about me, God wants my best. Now, wanting my best doesn't mean everything's gonna be easy. Wanting my best doesn't mean everything's gonna work out. Wanting my best doesn't mean there isn't gonna be sacrifice involved. Wanting my best means that what God wants for me is that what happens in and through me is gonna be better for me in the long run and it's gonna be better for everybody else. We often take the short term. We choose short term uh, uh, gain instead of uh, current pain because we, we don't want to look at the future. And yet, God looks at the future and He sees the long term results. God knows better. He wants better. He understands better. And we need to seek God's will and not our own. And then finally, what Jesus did is He kept going back to God. He kept going back to God. You see, burnout is a journey. Uh, There'll be some days you're up, some days you're down, and you've got to understand that you've got to continually connect with God because it's a journey. Jesus goes three times back to God, and it's interesting the progression Jesus makes, and I want to look at it real quickly. Verse uh, 39 is the first one. My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken away, not my will, but your will. So he starts out there, okay, look, I'd rather not do this, but if it's the only way, I'll do it. Then you get down to verse 32, and he prays, but if it's not possible, I want your will, not my will. And so he says, I know your way is gonna be best. So already there's been a progression. The progression was, I'm sorrowful, I'm overwhelmed. It feels like it's killing me. I'd rather not do this, take the cup from me. The next progression is, if this is the only thing, the only way then I'm willing to go through it because you know best. And then look at the last thing that happens down In verse 45, then he returned to his disciples and they're still sleeping. And he says, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Now here's the interesting thing. Jesus starts with, I'm overwhelmed and it feels like it's killing me. And he ends by going to the disciples, still sleeping and says, still asleep. Okay, time to get up my betrayer's coming, game's on, let's go do this thing. That's an entirely different attitude than he started with. And how does he get that attitude? He gets the attitude by doing the five things that we said. He took his friends along for encouragement and help. He believed God loved him and wanted the best for him. He was honest with God about how he felt. He sought God's will and not our will. And he realized it was a journey. He went back to God three times and God was able to keep him going because of it. In 2016, Cyclone Winston hit the Fiji Islands, and it was the most devastating uh, thing that had ever happened to the the Fiji Islands. Literally 50% of the people who lived in the islands of Fiji lost their homes. 50% of the people. Only 44 people were killed, which is still tragic, but over a half million people were left homeless. Not only that, it totally destroyed the pristine coral reefs around uh, Fiji. Here's a picture of the coral reefs after her cyclone Winston went through. Uh, the, the scientists came, they looked at everything that was there and they said the coral reef is totally destroyed, it will never come back. We have lost something vital to our planet and there's nothing that can ever happen that will bring back the loss of this reef. It has been five years and this is the Fiji coral reef today. It is unbelievable. It is greater and stronger and more abundant than it was even five years ago. You see, God can take the destruction of your life. He can take all of the pain and all of the hurt and he can bring something beautiful from it. You see, when problems happen, we can do two things. When problems happen, we can look at our problems and make them the center and we can be overwhelmed by them. Or we can look at God and what God can do and realize God can bring great things out of the hurt and the pain and the destruction that I'm feeling right now. The simple fact of the matter is it's not been a good year. We never could have anticipated what happened. But God is still working. God has great things planned for your family, your life, and for this church. And God will
2: always be victorious. Josh? So today we've named what we've lost, but we are not completely without loss because of what Jesus has done. Paul writes later, he says that Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God and so as we look at all that has happened over this last year all that we've lost over this last year it's easy to feel overwhelmed but there is a bigger story here that God is writing in your life and that God is writing in my life and so today and despite of everything we face we light a candle of hope to say we will not be fully defined by this past year but we will allow God to bring healing God to bring hope God to bring salvation and God to bring life. Friends, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is ultimately where hope is found. We'd love the chance to talk with you in the Welcome Center as you walk out. If you're online right now, you can click the request prayer button. Our hosts are ready to pray with you. And if you're here today and you said, I just need someone to pray with me, we'd love the chance to do that right now online or at the Welcome Center. Friends, if God is calling you to join you, to join this church, we welcome you today. She can talk to us out at the Welcome Center again by clicking online. Would you join me in prayer? Oh God, today we grieve, but we grieve as those who have hope that you who endured your Gethsemane moment and experienced the resurrection, we know that as we have gone through tough times, because you live in us, we can say it is well with our soul pray this in Jesus mighty and powerful name. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website mywrbc.org and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram keyword mywrbc At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30am or 11am. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.